And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, yo. Welcome to the Forum Club. I am your co-host, Yovan Buha, joined by my other co-host, Bill Oram. If you can't tell by my voice, I'm a little under the weather, much like half the Lakers organization right now <laughs> over the past week. Uh, Bill, how are you doing? Are you... Uh, well... Uh, for, for those who don't know how you're doing, how are you doing? And uh, what what uh, happened to you in the last 24 hours? Yeah, it's uh, if it's not one thing, it's the other. I am currently dealing with a uh, a what's called a pseudo Jones fracture. It's uh, it's a it's a broken bone in my right foot, the fifth metatarsal, which becomes the pinky toe. Um, tripped over my kid's scooter yesterday morning in the driveway. So uh, ultimate dad injury and. Um, you know, so I'm on the I'm on the injured list. Going to be in the walking boot for four weeks, so uh, Anthony Davis and I can hang out on the sidelines, I guess, for the next little bit before uh, you know we're both we're both at full strength again. So uh, it's you know the the current state of the Lakers, I would say, is reflected in the media core right now. Yeah, if it's uh, everyone's sick or, or injured, um, but I mean that that's been honestly the the kind of topic of the last week. Uh, things have. It felt like since our last podcast, things quickly went off the rails uh, with, with the Lakers in, in terms of the health and safety protocols. And uh, it was interesting because, you know, we've obviously been dealing with this on a personal level and, and all the different things of COVID tests and, and masks and, you know, the, being able to travel in certain places and, and not certain places. And it's definitely affected our jobs. It's affected everyone in the NBA and, you know, the world at large. But this was the first time we really dealt with this and, and having the team be completely decimated and also the, the Lakers ones you know were, were more interesting because you had guys in and out of protocols within like two days and um it was like all these late scratches right before tip-off and uh, it, it just felt like even when it comes to the protocols the Lakers find a way to make it more dramatic than the average team and uh it, it was a, a crazy week it was hard to keep track of who was in and out I think at this point it's been uh, what like almost 10 players ha- have been in the health and safety protocols overall uh, so I, I mean, like how do, it's already been hard to judge this team because before this, because LeBron missed the first half of the, the first 25 games, ad has been in and out a bit. You've had uh, Taylor out, Austin out, Trevor out, Kendrick out. Uh, and you know, you've had LeBron suspension. Like you've just had all these factors that have made it as we you know say every week on this podcast, it's, it's really difficult to evaluate this team and assess what they could be. It's something that the team openly talks about, but how much more difficult was it this past week to, to really get a sense of where they're at, especially when entering the, the, this past seven day stretch, they had some momentum and you know, they, they had that Dallas win and they'd won three in a row and it was like, okay, the Lakers are finally turning the proverbial corner. And then all of a sudden they get hit with all this COVID stuff and have now lost three games in a row with some difficult games coming up. So uh, I guess, how, how do you view the, the, the last week and, and, and kind of try to put what's happened to them in, in, into better context. Yeah. I mean, it, it does feel like just a, you know, 
the continuation, an extreme continuation of what this season has been like already in terms of, um, you know, we thought things were pretty bad in terms of injuries and, you know, LeBron missing a game with, you know, being in the, in the protocols and the suspension and just seeming like they could never get any momentum. And then when they really did start to get some momentum and, and, and listen, some of those wins were, you know, by the skin of their teeth. I'm not sure that you looked at, you know, wins over OKC and Orlando and even the, the Austin Reeves buzzer beater over Dallas, you know, it was a very diminished Dallas team and they just barely beat them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it kind of felt like, this still wasn't a team that had broken through, but you know, you, you, you can't argue with results and you can't, and you take the wins where you get them. And it just felt like, you know, the Lakers were at least maybe going to be able to start collecting some wins, get clear of 500. And they got three games ahead of uh, three games over 500 and then promptly dropped three games. And they're right back at 500 going into uh, Wednesday against the Spurs. And then obviously Christmas day against, um, against the, the, the Nets. I mean, assuming that game even gets played, so it's really a you know total you know mess, right? As we as we know, the Lakers have signed tons of dudes, including Isaiah Thomas. Joe Johnson is back in the NBA. Lance Stevenson's back in the NBA. Suddenly, you know, rosters are expanded. Um, you know, the the league is in a vastly different place than it was two weeks ago, or really even a place that anyone could have projected it was heading toward. So um, you know, it feels. It's different from March of 2020 in that, you know, we know more about the virus. We know we have, you know, vaccinated players. So it doesn't feel like we're heading toward a shutdown. Adam Silver has said as much, but the league is in a very, very unique position where, you know, the best teams in the league are not necessarily the best teams because they're playing, you know, G League players. And, you know, one exception to that, by the way, would be the Phoenix Suns, who've done a good job of um, or have been lucky enough to kind of avoid you know, major COVID issues this season um, and, you know, just came up and, and spanked the Lakers last night. Sam Amick wrote about kind of the state of that team and, you know, how they've, you know, so far avoided, you know, having, you know, key players in in the protocols, which is really, you know, has been the downfall of most teams around the league and is what is threatening the Christmas Day slate. So, you know, I, I think this is just, I don't know that this is even a, a, sta- a point in the season where you worry about evaluating. Like, I think this is just a, get through it sort of situation, assuming there is another side, you know, that there is a break, a, a breakthrough point where it's like, okay, the, you know, the, the variant has run its course through the Lakers. The Lakers are, you know, now have, you know, maybe like, I, I, I don't even know, I'm not an epidemiologist, but like somehow, you know, they've got, you know, their own sort of bubble of herd immunity and they're not going to have players in, in, in the protocols the rest of the year once it's kind of affected everybody and, you know, they can then start to build. But right now they're not there right now. It's just play the games, get through it, try to avoid additional injuries and, and survive. I mean, that's where they are right now, but you know, they're going to go into the new year potentially below 500. I mean, you look at this, the schedule coming up, it's not favorable. I know, you know, the Spurs have been playing really well. The Nets, who knows what they're going to look like if they're even going to be able to play that game. Like, I mean, let's be honest, two of the next two Nets games have already been postponed. The league is doing everything possible to make sure that, you know, the Christmas games get played. But I mean, it's I mean, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce could be playing for the Nets by the time that game comes around. Um, So there's that. And then, you know, they go on the road and Houston and Memphis on a back to back is kind of just a tricky couple of nights on the road, especially with everything that's going on. And you don't know who's going to be available. Um I just don't, to answer your question, I don't know if you do evaluate this team right now. I just feel like it's unfair to sit there and say, well, you know, I'm concerned with, you know, the the the, the Russ and, and LeBron chemistry. I mean, 
it just it just feels like this is a stage that they just have to put their heads down and and get through. There are always things you can discuss on a in a basketball sense. If there wasn't, there wouldn't be the coaches wouldn't be getting together and strategizing with what they had. I mean, there's things there's things going on on the floor that we can discuss, but I don't know how much of it actually applies to the big picture with this team. Yeah, I've grown a little more pessimistic recently just because I feel like there are teams like this is kind of a thing that everyone's dealing with, right? Like, and, and I think the Lakers have been hit harder, uh, you know, with it than most teams. And, and you know, like the, the Bulls had 10 guys out, right? And, and they had to cancel a couple games and they just had to cancel another game, uh, you know, due to Toronto. But like, I think if, if you go team by team, there are teams that have missed key players, star players, really, you know, starters, really important role players and continue to win. And teams that are on paper not as good as the Lakers. And the Lakers have, for the most part, recently taken care of the lottery teams and, and the bottom feeders. But it, it continues to feel like, it, I mean, it's almost like you can judge the opponent and like, how good is this team? Okay, if they're, if they're like above average, they're probably going to beat the Lakers. If they're below average, yeah. the Lakers are probably going to beat them. And that's, almost, I mean, and that's a 500 team, right? And, and that's where they are right now. But I guess I've lost a little confidence in the depth of the roster. I thought that there was certainly a roster construction flaw with this group and, and it did trend way more towards offense, which is hilarious because they are uh, the what, like not ninth in defense and like 27th in offense or something. Uh, so the offense has been abysmal, uh, but I do think they enter most, you know, most games, 27 out of 30 games, whatever it is, 27 out of 29 with the best player on the floor in LeBron James. And that should give you a chance every night. And it's not like, Every game has been a blowout loss that, that that they lose to good teams, but I do think like it is a little concerning to me seeing like a, a performance like last night where just nobody else had it other than LeBron and Russ, and I think we've started to see that a little more than earlier in the season. Like Carmelo has quietly really been struggling. He he's only yeah. had one twenty point game since Thanksgiving, and uh, you know like he he has fallen off completely. I mean, remember when we were talking about him as a sixth man of the year candidate? Like that that's gone as of yeah. right now. Um, and, and, you know, Trevor Ariza has looked a little stiff. It's hard to judge a 36 year old coming off of an ankle surgery. Like you, you want to give him uh, at least two or three weeks to, to start looking like himself. Let's let the mid thirties guys with, uh, with lower extremity <laughs> injuries, let's give them a little bit of a break. Okay. I suddenly have a new level of empathy for these dudes. <laughs> and then like even, even Isaiah Thomas, I thought had like two, like had a two solid performances to start. And then you, you're kind of reminded like why this guy, uh, you know, it was out of the league. And, you know, last night, three points, one of 11 shooting, uh, five fouls was a defensive liability against a really good team and, and really good offense. Like, I just think, uh, and look, he's probably not even gonna make the roster. So I don't think it's it's fair to like hold that against them necessarily. But I just think I, from what I've seen recently from the supporting cast, and look, some of these guys are playing more minutes, getting more shots. So like, I think that stuff accumulates and it, it, it does take a toll on you. And some of these guys are older, so... They are playing more minutes and, and, you know, I think maybe they are underperforming because of that, but I'm just a little concerned with the, some of the trends we continue to see of like the, the role players kind of underperforming uh, against better teams and, and that some kind of being an issue that, you know, until we see them not do that, I, I think that's a bit of an issue for me. You know, so David Fisdale is currently the Lakers acting head coach because of Frank Vogel's uh, situation. He's in the health and safety protocols, much like everyone else. Um, and so David Fisdale is a guy we've heard from over the last couple of games. And he was pretty, um, 
actually encouraged, I would say, by the Lakers' result in Chicago because of how hard they played, especially in the second half. And, and um, you know, what you saw in terms of, you know, you know guys moving, uh, you know, ball movement, yes, but then also moving without the ball. And you saw some really nice actions between LeBron and, and, and Russell Westbrook. And it did sort of feel like, you know, maybe that they did sort of have some idea of what it would take to um, be successful without AD. Because, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say he's having, you know, the greatest year, um, but he is kind of the linchpin to the Lakers schematically, right? And, and you know, while LeBron and Russ are kind of awkward fits, they're both really natural uh, fits with AD. Um, the Lakers, you know, want to commit to going small um, with Anthony Davis at center when they're healthy. There's some irony that that, you know, they finally got the personnel to be able to do that their preferred way with uh, with Trevor Ariza just as AD got hurt. But, you know, there was some kind of encouraging, there were some encouraging signs from the from the game against the Bulls. Do you, I, I just, things are so weird right now. It's almost like, you know, can, can you take anything really out of that one game or is it kind of undone by the fact that you didn't see them follow it up with a similar performance against the Suns? I think you could take positive stuff out. Like I, I do think one of the silver linings to all of this is we are seeing the Lakers really lean into that small identity that it, it felt inevitable that they were going to have to lean into at some point. And mm-hmm. I, I think it, it took, I, I feel like I almost said this exact statement on, on the last podcast. Like it, it took longer than expected. I, I think it, t- it took longer than most people expected, but they're here now. And, you mm-hmm. know, last night uh, they played DeAndre Jordan 15 minutes, which I, I think under normal circumstances would probably go to Dwight Howard, uh, who, who just returned from the health and safety protocols. And, it, you know, I guess apparently was not uh, you know, in the proper uh, form to play. But I think normally you're going to get that 12 to 15 minutes from Dwight and the rest of the game, they were going LeBron at the five, Ariza at the five, uh, you know, Mello at the five, depending on how you kind of view yep. him defensively. And so I think that those reps are really important because I, I think I, ideally, I think you're going to get to a point where there might be some series in the playoffs where you only go small and it's just right. AD at the five and the rest of the time is LeBron or Ariza and mm-hmm. getting those reps now, I think is going to help you in April and in May and June if, if you get there. Uh, so I, I think that that's a positive development. Uh, I, I do think we have seen role players put in different situations and, and you know, like the, the Wayne Ellington and Austin Reeve crunch time reps were, were big for me in Dallas and um, you know, Wayne had that air ball, but then he followed it up with the big shot to tie it to send it to overtime. Austin hits the game winner. Like those are things that I, I think give guys confidence, uh, you know, within the, the locker room and, and just help you when it matters most. So I think in, in a, there, I guess the one positive and, and Frank has kind of alluded to this because I, I think I asked him about it earlier in the season is like sometimes when you do have a lot of injuries and, and a lot of guys just in and out that randomness can can kind of toughen you up as a team and, and, and just maybe you discover something that you otherwise would have never tried yeah. because you're, you're not healthy. Uh, but at the end of the day, like if this team goes into the playoffs with no reps with their normal rotation, like that's obviously an issue and, and that's probably going to cost them in the first or second round. And starts to feel like last year, right? I yeah. mean, obviously totally different personnel, different situations, but you know, the Lakers spent, you know, after having a really hot start last year, the Lakers spent the last 70% of the season just trying to get healthy for the first round. And it just was such a mad dash in and such a sprint um, to the finish line and ended up in the play-in that, you know, it felt like they didn't have anything left by the time they got to the playoffs. They were in a really unfavorable matchup. Um, you know, by the way, I think the Suns are still a bad matchup for them, even healthy. 
Uh, yeah. The Suns are, I think, I think last year's you know first round series was kind of the the wake up call that the Suns were for real. They're really really and good. So, yeah, and so I just you know I don't even think I'm sticking my neck out here. The Lakers are not going to win a championship, you know, basically you know if they if they only get healthy in time for the playoffs. Like it's just it's not a recipe for success. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. It has never worked that way. They're going to need to get things in order much earlier than that if they're going to have any any kind of chance. And right now, I mean, you look at the state of the team, the state of the roster, um, you know, what has been accomplished in the first two months of the season, and it's not a championship team. They haven't they haven't they haven't done enough with their time, and a lot of it's been beyond their control. But it's just you know, it's been a you know, it's been a season spent too much trying to get guys healthy and get guys on the court, and not enough of you know, being, being together and being whole. And it almost, I mean, almost feels like we're moving toward it. I can, I can already feel the narrative shift, right. To like, okay, LeBron and Russ needed a year to kind of figure things out. The big three will be together again next year. And so 2023 is really the year where it's going to, it's going to all come together, you know? And it's like, you know, where the can gets kicked down the road because this season, again, there is still time. I'm not, I'm not closing the door on this Lakers team, but it is feeling more and more like a lost season. Yeah it's difficult to to disagree with that and we almost had a moment last night where it looked like lebron suffered a serious injury and i mean do we know still we still don't know that he we still don't know right still like, don't right know. i mean yeah. like to me like every bit of that injury it wasn't as bad of a, a a twist right as as last year when when solomon hill landed on his ankle but everything about the way he reacted the way he popped up and tied his shoe and stayed in the game felt exactly like that to me. And then, you know, he was able to play the rest of the game, but um, super scary moment for him. And if he misses any time, I mean, it's it, it just there, especially while AD's out, they're just in a, I mean, really not even while AD's out at any point this season, if LeBron misses an extended period of time, this team does not have a cushion to survive that. Like that will effectively end their season. If he misses, you know, four weeks with something, I mean, to me, that would be the, you know, you are now a lottery team moment. I don't think they could recover. Yeah. I guess, fortunately for them, the West has been so bad that, like, maybe there's a scenario in which they could get, like, the 10 seed and, in that case, and, like, play their way in. But, like, yeah, you're not in a good spot. And I don't know. Like, what, when do you think it's it's appropriate to start judging this team? Because I think I think it's fair to judge them a little bit. Like, I, I don't think it's it's – you can't just say, like, let's throw out the first 32 games because – you know, to me, it's almost like any game that Le- LeBron, AD, and Russ play in, that is a judgeable game. Uh, like, th- like because those are your three guys, and we, we know in the come postseason you're going to play seven, eight guys. It's really going to come down to whose stars are the best, and and yes, role players have to perform. But like at the end of the day, it's it all comes down to even if the the role players aren't performing that well, if LeBron, AD, and Russ are at their peak, you know, whatever that looks like as a trio. I think this team can beat just about anybody in the league, but right. we have to see that, you know, that they have to get those reps. The Lakers haven't beaten a really good team this year. It just hasn't no. happened. I mean, like Boston and Miami are their two, are their two best wins. And, you know, I know I was really high on, on the Boston win felt like, you know, a potential turning point, uh, the Miami win, no Jimmy Butler, um, also no Jalen Brown for the Celtics. I mean, also the, the Celtics just aren't that good. I mean, the Celtics aren't a, you know, Eastern Conference contender in my mind. So it's like, yeah, that was a nice win, but it's like everything else has been, you know, cleaning up the scraps of the, you know, the Orlando's, the you know, OKC once, you know, uh, the couple wins against the Spurs, beat the Rockets. I mean, wins are really hard to come by for this team. You know, Dallas was hurt. I mean, I'm not, that's not, I'm not, that's not a high quality win without Luka. 
I mean, it's just they haven't beaten anybody yet. Honestly, their their best their like best actual win might be the Memphis win the third game of the season, which we didn't yeah. view it that way at the time. But like yeah. in ret- like you know that was Memphis fully whole. They're you know been a top four team in the West, and they were a John Morant free throw away from what overtime. Yeah, and again, you know you got to make the free throw, so it's not you know they get credit for the win, but it's like that was very nearly not you know the win that it was, and it's you know and I don't know. I mean, there's tons of what ifs in an NBA season, so I probably shouldn't go too far down that road. But it does that does stand out to me as a a little bit of a you know one they got luck they got away with as opposed to one they just like went out and won. So. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to make about this team. Like, I just don't. I know that we're at a point where it's like, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't know what to do with this team. It just feels like we're in such wait and see mode like we have been all year because I don't feel like we they like we I think we are looking for something to hold on to to say, yes, they are. You know, they are this. And we haven't and we don't have that evidence unless what they are is not a very good team. If that's where we're landing, then that's the analysis. And the next few months are going to be pretty uh, pointless. It's really tough, you know, trying to cover this team because, you know, we're supposed to be the experts. We're supposed to be the ones, you know, we're closest to the situation and we're there you know, pretty much every game. And it's just, I, I've never, you know, this is only my, my fourth season covering, you know, a, a beat. So I, I can't speak to it as well as you can, but like th- this is the least grasp I've had on a team since I've, I've started, you know, covering the, the NBA uh, as a beat writer, like I, I just I feel I, like last year was worse though, right? Last year though, they they had the twenty one and seven start, and and they had, you know, like even then it was weird because I felt like I think the the attitude among Laker fans was like they still were kind of down when they were twenty one and seven, and, and it was it was like you know AD is not playing as well, and uh you, you know like they're still kind of figuring out the rotation, so I felt like that that was a weird twenty one and seven, but they were still twenty one and seven and tied for the second seed when Anthony Davis went down and, and Devin, LeBron was going to be MVP of the league, yes. And then they both went down and then they came back and they were up 2-1 on Phoenix. And then AD goes down in game four. So like, yeah. I think last year's team actually showed way more than this year's team has up to this point. Um, and, and, you know, I just I just think like they do exist on paper, really. And and I, I think there are positives that you can take from, from each game. But th- there's a lot of stuff where it's like they'll do something well for one game and then the next game they revert back to their bad habits and they do something else, you know, like, It'll be like, okay, this game we're going to rotate well defensively. Well, it's also going to be a high turnover game. Okay, next game is going to be a low turnover game, but we're going to foul a lot or like not box out. And it's just, they can't get like, there always has to be some glaring issue that like basically costs them the game. And at that point, you're just like, you know, how good, like, I think there's a lot of guys that I'm I'm more down on right now than I was like even a few weeks ago um, in, in terms of just the rotation. So I do think, I don't envy Frank Vogel like, I think before we were thinking, oh, he's got to fit, you know, pick between 12, 13 guys. And like, how, how do you get a rotation? Now it's like, you got to find nine guys. And I don't know how you find nine guys with, with, with kind right. of what they have. But speaking of Frank, we've talked a lot about him in recent weeks and uh, the, the hot seat and, and the uncertainty with his job. He's been out the last couple of games uh, with, with David Fisdale, who presumably would replace Frank if Frank were to be let go. Uh the Lakers lost both those games. I do think the Chicago game was really impressive and, and it was as impressive uh, of, of a loss as they've had all season. So I, I'm not going to, I don't think Fizz has done a bad. Listen to yourself. I know. I know. I know. I just got done like talking about like the positives <laughs> of that game, but like, man, that was their most impressive loss of the season. We're talking about a LeBron James led team with 73 Hall of Famers on the roster. And it's like, man, that was a, 
damned impressive loss by by the by the by the scrappy <laughs> underdog Lakers. Like it's just a weird. We're just in a very uh, weird yeah. place. But like, does this almost help Frank? I almost think this. I like, mean, it's uh, yeah. It's not I like they, whole, they've been world beaters without him. Yeah, I would say that you know, I mean, a couple things that I would say that are a testament to Frank Vogel that need to be you know considered. One, the fact that the defense has been, you know, has been leaps and bounds better than the offense. Like, you know, the offense, you know, is also falls under the purview of of the coach, right? But you have like some all time great offensive players who are not getting it done, and like that to me is is probably more where the offensive issues lie. The fact that, you know, Russ, LeBron, AD, at, you know, when, when all healthy, which hasn't been a ton this year, have not been able to make it work on the floor among them. Um, defensively, you know, Frank has met the, has, 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 you know, answered the call or met the charge, whatever, you know, I think we all thought coming into the season said, this is a bad defensive team. And I think it is still a bad defensive team, but like they have figured out how to, you know, make the most with what they have. And that to me is a testament to, um, to, to the coaching staff. And I remember before the season, when we asked Rob Palinka, like, what is this team going to be like defensively? He said, well, you know, we've seen the, the Frank Vogel effect. And I think I texted you, Johan, like, this is how they're going to, this is, they're going to use that to like, to can him because, because there is no magic, you know, pixie dust that makes a team good defensively. You know, I don't care you know, who the coach is. You can't make Carmelo Anthony a, you know, a great team defender. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, not just Mello, but like, you know, Frank has found a way to you know, make this team, you know, a fairly simple, straightforward defensive team that, you know, does some things well. And like you said, they're, I think they are a top 10 defensive team somehow at this stage. I don't know that they're going to stay there, but like that has been, now they have played really bad teams up to this point too. Like they are 500 with a very easy schedule. So they're not playing the, you know, the, the the Warriors they they've only played the Warriors once actually they're not playing great offenses but um, I I do think that he gets some credit for the defense um, and then everything else I mean when we first started really talking about Frank's job status it was really around the time that uh, LeBron went into the health and safety protocols and you know that just felt like a blip on the radar well that stuff isn't a blip anymore it's complete completely rerouted the course of this season for everybody. And I don't think it's out of the question yet that you could, you know, that the Lakers might make a change, but, you know, Frank's been out, the the players, players have been out. Like, I think that there has to be a stretch of some kind of stability before you could, because like a lot of, a lot of, you know, making a coaching change is about optics, right? And narrative. And you need to, if you're going to fire the coach, there needs to be something that you say that this is the coach is doing, or this is you know, what's wrong with like the voice in the locker room. And I don't know how you could put any of that on Frank Vogel when you look around, it's just a mash unit. So I think, I think everything that's going on, if nothing else buys Frank time. Um, But I do think that there are some encouraging signs as well that you could really point to in terms of why, you know, you know, tangibly um, he's, he's done, he's done the job that was asked of him, even though the team is, frankly a massive disappointment i just looked this up on uh dunks and threes.com which will adjust so they are ninth they're currently ninth in defensive rating on dunks and threes.com which will factor in strength of schedule they're 12th in defensive rating so it does drop a little bit when factoring in their opponents but they've their defense has faced the third easiest schedule defensively so that 
I mean, that that's going to change. And, and that is where you'll probably see them slip maybe into that like 12 to 15 range uh, on like the high side, you know, on the upside side. Uh, so, but I, I mean, yeah, I, I think to your point, like you, you, you know, if they fired Frank tomorrow, it would just to me be a, a really, you know, aside from, I think being a mistake, it would also just be a, a bad play optics wise, because you can't really put anything on it. Like, what, what are you going to put on him? Like, and even look, I, I'm, I've been on record saying like, I don't think Deandre Jordan should start let you know, or play. I don't, I don't think Avery, like I, I think Avery Bradley should not be starting and should have a, uh, maybe a, you know, a, a, someone's gotten hot. Devin Booker's gotten hot. Dame Lillard's gotten hot. Okay. Throw in Avery Bradley and see if he can cool him down. But like, aside from that specific role, yeah. I don't think he does much. And even with that, I don't think that's like a fireable offense. If, if you're playing two bottom tier rotation guys, like, you know, 12 to 15 minutes a night, like that, that. I don't, I don't think it, you know, I think it's a mistake. Like I, I think Frank shouldn't do that, but aside from that, like you can't really, you, they've been good defensively. And that, I mean, some of that is on AD, right? Like some of that is, uh, on, on Frank. Uh, you know, I think most of it's on Frank, honestly. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's like, it, it would have been interesting if the Lakers had won the Bulls game and maybe gone like toe to toe with Phoenix down the stretch. And maybe it's an overtime game or something. And like, they lose in overtime, but, it, but it's a really hard fought competitive game. Like th- then I think things get interesting, but the, the fact that Vogel's missed the last two games and you know, th- they've lost both of them and it, look, it's been good teams. It's not like they, they've played the magic or, or the Cavs or something, but uh, I do think like he, he's, I, I'm cooling on the hot seat stuff. I, I think it, it, yeah. it has started to turn. And I think for now, uh, he, he's in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I just think the Lakers have bigger fish to fry right now, right? Like it's just not it's just not the it's not the priority. Like and honestly, like I'm not even sure that the fact that the team is is losing is is where the focus is right now. Like it's on AD's health. It's about all the players who are out of the rotation. It's about the fact that you are playing Isaiah Thomas, who is you know obviously still an NBA scorer, but may not be an NBA player. Um, <clears throat> you know, big minutes. Um, it's, it's just, you know, it's just so far down the list of things that people need to be worrying about, about this Lakers team. And so, you know, that, that could change when things settle down. But right now I don't think anybody's thinking about firing the coach. And also it'd be very Marcus Saul of them to fire a coach while he's out with COVID. Marcus Saul, of course, lost his, lost his job to Andre Drummond last year while he was out with COVID. And I thought that was crappy. So if that happened uh, to Frank Vogel while he is uh, in quarantine, trying to get himself back on the sidelines, uh, that would also be crappy. So like you said, I think that we, I think that that is all currently on hold. Boy, uh, imagine Marcus Hull on this team. That, 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 that's a what if. Sure. I mean, there's a million what ifs. Like what if, I mean, I don't yeah. know. We could do that. We could <laughs> do gonna, go down all the, all the, all the what ifs. go down all of them. Just to your point on the, on the what if of it all. Like, I mean, last year's roster, 20, what'd you say? 21 and seven, um, two, one lead on Phoenix. Like the, I thought the role players kind of disappeared in that series. So I'm not saying bringing back last year's team, was the answer, but I don't know. It's last year. Last year's team is just a reminder that like, you know, things aren't as dire as they seem. I don't think last year's team needed to be, you know, scattered into the sun, you know, like shattered into a million pieces all around the NBA. Like that team was a lot closer than it felt. I think at the end of the year. Yeah. Again, that, that team, they, they did have some, like Dennis was in health and safety protocols a couple of times. Mark, uh, they, they did have the big LeBron and AD injuries. So like they, they had their excuses for why they weren't, 
always on the same page, but I, I do think we saw some really good flashes from them. And, and that was an elite deep, right? Like that was the best defense yep. in the NBA yep. uh, with, with Marcus. So I, I guess we are approaching the new year, which means we are approaching the trade deadline. And there have been rumors of, you know, the Lakers pursuing, I mean, there, there, there was a Ben Simmons rumor. There's been some Ridiculous. Miles Turner talk. Like, uh, I don't, I mean, there's always stuff going on and, and the Lakers are, are an easy name to attach because they've been struggling and uh, it, it, you know, it feels like they need to make some type of move, but do, you know, with what you, the conversations you've had and, and with what you've just observed with this group uh, this season and with the organization over, you know, the, the past decade, like, do you think they're going to make a move? And, and with also the context of like, they can't really like, there's only so many moves they can make. And I know you wrote about it with, with John Hollinger. Like, you know, you can trade Russ, you can trade Talon, like you could attach something yeah. to trading Talon. Like there's just, there's not much they can do, but I guess like, do, do you think we're headed towards that? Or do you think they, they might take the stubborn approach and be like, we haven't seen our team, so we can't really judge it until we're whole and we're going to just stand pat and, Keep it as is. I mean, you're only making a move if you think it's for a difference maker. Because right now, I don't think anybody could reasonably look at this team and say that this is a you know a championship group, even if it's healthy or whole. So, you know, you, you're only making a move for a difference maker, though. Um, but the problem is, are Taylor Horton Tucker and um, Kendrick Nunn getting you one of those? Um, you know, like in the story you referenced, I did with 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 Hollinger. You know, he. You know, he was kind of enamored with the idea of Miles Turner, you know, and the question being, does Miles Turner, a first round pick, or excuse me, does uh, Kendrick Nunn, Taylor Horton Tucker and the Lakers 2027 pick get you Miles Turner? I mean, that's a that's a long ways out, but the Lakers don't have picks to trade because of the Anthony Davis deal. So they're limited in terms of what they can offer. They don't have tradable contracts outside of those two dudes, um, you know, neither of whom have a whole lot of trade appeal right now because THT has been. You know, with the exception of a couple of really good performances right before he got COVID, obviously, um, he was, uh, you know, he had a great game with 19 points and six steals against the Magic. Um, but, you know, other than that, he's been kind of, you know, ineffective and we haven't seen Kendrick Nunn yet. So those are basically, you know, contracts at this point and with maybe some upside. And so then, you know, it's like the Pacers going to trade Miles Turner for, you know, THT's upside, Kendrick Nunn's contract and a first round pick doesn't it seems like they might be able to do better and so you know then you start going down the list of who else like that is available i mean i don't see any any reality to the jeremy grant thing i mean the lakers can be interested in those guys all they want but they just don't have they don't have the trade ballast to you know outbid anybody else for players of that caliber in my mind yeah so uh, update on this actually as we're talking about it shams sharania of the athletic uh it was on the pat mcafee show this morning and for one, put to rest the notion that LeBron would leave the Lakers, which I believe Bill Simmons kind of started that rumor of just saying that. Uh, I mean, I think he was clearly joking, but uh, it, it did get aggregated that you know we're we're a few games away from LeBron talking about Cleveland and, and how attractive it would be to to go finish his career there. Uh, but uh, th- this tweet from the the Pat Mac- uh, McAfee show from Shams, I heard directly from Rich Paul that LeBron James isn't leaving the Lakers. Dot dot dot. This team just doesn't look like it has the young legs that they need to have, and they have been very active in the trade market. So I guess that kind of answers our question. Like, 
they feel like they need to get right. younger, which I, I think most people thought entering the season that they went way too old. And I, apparently they're active on the trade market. So I'm totally with you. Like, I don't think you just make a move to make a move. It, it needs to be probably a starting level player, like someone you're confident can slot in. I think Miles Turner could do that. One thing we didn't touch on earlier when we were talking about some of the role players struggling, like Talon has just not been really good since those first few games. And and I, I know you were kind of mentioning that, but like, like if, if you look at his shooting outside the paint, um, I think someone tweeted it out last night. It, it was something like, He's like shooting 23% outside of the paint. Uh, and and that is just inexcusable. And, and you know, that was yeah. kind of the one thing he needed to improve on. Well, yeah. is like, he needs to be a better shooter and he has not done that. Uh, he, he's, I think, I think he's actually been worse. I, I got to check his three point percentage, but like, you know, last night it was uh, what one for 12 and uh, oh, for eight on threes and, uh, or, oh, sorry, one for 13 and, and oh, for eight on threes. Like, He's just not been that good recently, and I think we don't need to rehash the the Caruso situation. But like that is honestly just looking worse. Like you know, aside from how well Caruso's played in, in Chicago and, and the way he's helped turn around that team and, and that defense, like just Talon versus Alex straight up is like I already thought it was Alex, and it's just been clear and clear that that it's Alex. And I think that is really a you know a fork in the road moment for this franchise potentially over the next couple of years when they look back on it of like, you know, did we chase this upside that like maybe either isn't there in the, in the short term or, or isn't even there in the long term? Like we, we don't know what Talon's eventually going to be, but not been really encouraged by what I've seen the last few weeks from him. Yeah. And, you know, it's just an interesting concept of the Lakers trying to get younger because the only guys they can trade really are a couple of their younger players, you yep. know, in terms of Talon and it's true. Um, and, and, uh, and, and none. Um, now, of course you can always throw away in a guy, you know, in Ellington or, you know, somebody, somebody else. I mean, it doesn't have to stop there, but in terms of, you know, you're going to be trading a young rotation player, maybe for a young starter is what you're going to be looking for. And I just don't know. Um, I mean, Shams is exactly right. This team doesn't have the young legs. This team looks, looks old every single night. So I, I just, I'll be curious to see what they, what they get. Cause like the whole, the whole thing I go back to when they traded, when they traded for Russ, what I wrote was that the Lakers were all in and that this was the team because they had they used up all their flexibility. All their flexibility went out the door in that trade. KCP, Kuzma, Harrell, those were tradable contracts and they all went out the door in the, in the, in the same trade. So you now, you've made your bed. And by the way, if you've made your bed like this and you're punting at this point already on the season, then you had a bad offseason. Like you didn't, you didn't do a good job building the team. And that has to be acknowledged at some point too. You know, as much as we talk about Frank or LeBron and the injuries, like if you're if you're already willing to pivot on this on this roster, and you're the executive of this team, you didn't do a good job building the roster. So that's uh, maybe the Rob Polinka conversation for another day. Let's wrap with this. By the next time we re- record a pod, it will be post Christmas, which is you know for a lot of people the the day the NBA season officially starts. It, it's the NBA's biggest uh, regular season slate. And, and all eyes will be on the NBA. Now we don't know who's going to be available for for the you know the the five games and uh, for the Lakers' sake, like facing a Nets team where you know KD and, and Kyrie have been in health and safety protocols. Like I, I don't you know I, I don't that's no longer the marquee matchup that I think the NBA wanted it to be. Like you know heading into the season, everyone was picking Lakers Nets finals, Lakers Nets finals, and uh, the the Nets are still the one seed. So they've kind of held up their end of the bargain, even though they haven't been that impressive this season. Lakers obviously have not. And I, I'm still, I'm interested though. Like 
if KD is able to play and and even if you know Kyrie is, is able to play, like that would be Amazing. just a fun a fun game that we have just not seen. Like, you know, that's probably the, the most fun game of the season for the Lakers on paper. And, and unfortunately, no AD. Uh, but I just I'd, I'd like to see that. And uh, I, I guess that's like the one thing I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend um, for, from a basketball perspective is just can we see a, a fun Lakers-Nets matchup, uh, sure. which it, it feels like we've been robbed of so far. Yep, absolutely agree. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting back out to Staples one more time uh, before it officially becomes Crypto.com Arena. Got uh, news today that the Lakers are going to celebrate uh, the history of Staples Center against the Spurs on on the 23rd. So there'll be a lot of um, you know festivities to send Staples Center off. So that's another thing to watch. Um, probably should have uh, gotten into some of our favorite Staples Center memories, Jovan. But hey, we yeah. can start building some. Uh, we can start building some favorite Crypto.com Arena memories uh, on Christmas, starting Christmas Day. So looking forward to that. Thanks for uh, everyone for tuning in, following us on the Athletic, reading our stories, supporting the work. Uh, means more to us than you probably could ever know. Uh, Jovan, thank you so much. I uh, hope you feel better, and I will. Uh, I'll be. I'll, I'll be limping around uh, the crypt here in a few days. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.